The Plumley Pod, episode 65. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. Hello and welcome to The Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I do apologize for having been away so long. It was not my intention at all. Those of you who work with me regularly will know why that is. I had a disastrous end to 2023. And before I make my excuses, let me just tell you what I'm going to be covering today. Obviously, we'll be speaking about the lawfare being waged against Richard D. Hall, England's, at this stage, best investigative journalist. I would say that Richard is the best of the lot, and he's being dragged through the courts by some uh, vexatious litigants, and we'll be digging into that. I've put out some videos on it on my Odyssey channel, O-D-Y-S-E-E, odyssey.com, and if you just type my name, Sarah Plumley, into there, you will find those videos. They are labelled clearly, as you would expect from a head teacher. Go check them out. Go check out Richard's work. His excellent documentary, Manchester, The Night of the Bank, is a must. We need to begin to understand the dangers of false flag terrorism. The state is taking our money and using it to wage false flags against our own people. This is not okay. It keeps the sheeple in fear and it infuriates the awakening. It's dangerous. It's treachery. It's absolutely treacherous. And I think the journalists such as Richard D. Hall and Gemma O'Doherty over in Ireland are extremely brave for pointing these things out and doing it with such a plum. They're like surgeons with a scalpel. So we'll be going into that, and in particular the case, as I said, against Richard D. Hall. And I want to be talking a little bit about the alternative media. I'm very disappointed with the lack of coverage of Richard's case. What else is there to talk about if you're in the alternative media right now? What else really matters? There won't be an alternative media if these kinds of cases are continually taken out against investigative journalists. So I don't care what you're talking about. You won't be there to do any talking or any investigating or any real journalism at all if Richard D. Hall's case doesn't go in a favourable manner for those of us on the side of truth and justice rather than lies and spy agencies getting as much money, much of our tax dollars as possible. So as you can see, I've come back and I'm completely on one. I've got to tell you my excuses now, haven't I? Very briefly, because they're not that fascinating. Uh, Stuff happens, but I did get hit really hard in very quick succession. Three things. They always say things come in threes, don't they? Maybe those old wives' tales aren't as daft as we all thought. It's amazing how many of them seem to uh, materialize, isn't it? Well, I broke my foot at the back end of 2023. It wasn't an ordinary break, so it's taken way longer than the six to eight weeks to heal. It's still not fully mended, but at least I can walk about now, so I'm relatively happy. It's delayed my running, but hey, I can live with that. Unfortunately, we then suffered a horrific bereavement, extremely unexpected in our immediate family, which I won't talk about. And uh, lastly, I came back to work on Friday, the 22nd of December, because I was desperate to get things prepped and planned, ready to hit the ground running in January. And lo and behold, Friday, the 22nd of December, my business bank account was frozen. So that's it. My last bank account has been taken away because you mustn't teach people how to do mathematics properly. You mustn't teach people how to spell 
or have beautiful handwriting and, you know, hold a pen, write things that other people might want to read. Oh, no, no, no. Off to jail you go. Off to jail you go. So, yeah, I wasn't very impressed because obviously Friday the 22nd of December left me unable to deal with anything because most businesses, especially the banksters, were packing up for their Christmas and New Year jollies, weren't they? So that was a real kick in the ghoulies, but don't you worry about that. It didn't annoy me for more than about 30 minutes. Yes, I had to do some extra admin that day, but I I expect this at this stage of the game. If it wasn't happening, then I would know that I'm not over the target. So look at the alt media people, look at them, think about what's happening or crucially what's not happening to them. And it'll probably give you some idea as to who the real people are. Which brings me nicely to one of the good guys. I think so. I might be proved wrong in the future. You know, if evidence comes to light that Richard isn't who he says he is, then fair enough, I'll take that. I'll say, you know what? I didn't realize I was taken in, etc. However, I absolutely think that's not the case. I think Richard is one of the good guys and his work is absolutely exceptional. Very, very detailed investigative journalism. Why does investigative journalism matter? It is the only way in a society to properly hold power to account. If you do not have journalists who go digging, who literally go rifling through your bins or rifling preferably through the bins of the politicians, the puppeticians and their fellow journal liars, that would be good, wouldn't it? If we don't have these people, then we cannot have any semblance of a sane, rational, reasonable society. Notice I carefully avoid the word democracy because I don't think that's what we've been told it is. And even if it is, I don't think I've ever lived in one. I don't think I've ever lived in a democracy, and I don't think that is what we're being told it is either. But that's a subject for another day. Investigative journalists are critical. They are critical to hold power to account. And if they cannot tell it straight, if they sugarcoat it, if they mush it into baby goo to spoon feed their audience, then they are not doing their job. Richard D. Hall is the antithesis of that kind of alt media personality, broadcaster or so-called journalist. Richard D. Hall really gets stuck in and does the real work, the proper work. And for that, he is being persecuted. And I, I don't use that word mistakenly or lazily. I think it's absolutely disgusting what's happening to Richard. Disclaimer, I don't know him. Never met the guy. Of course, I know Dr. Nick Collistrom, who has worked with Richard several times. You've seen him, Richard interview Dr. Nick on his show quite a lot. If you've never come across Richard D. Hall, you are in for a treat. I always forget the people who might not have come across him yet. I do apologize. If you haven't seen Richard's work, get over to richplanet.net, richplanet.net, R-I-C-H, rich as in money, money, richplanet.net, richplanet.net, and you will find his excellent work there. The documentary that he's in a load of trouble over, apparently, is called Manchester, the Night of the Bank, and you can find that under Manchester, quote unquote, attack on his website, third thing down on the left-hand menu. It is an excellent piece of work, it really is. And he's followed it up with some shorter films subsequently. Actually, some of them aren't that much shorter. He's followed up with three or four films extra since The Night of the Bang with even more detailed, robust analysis of what did and especially what did not happen. To those of you who don't know what a false flag is, goodness me, you'll have to go back to infant school. You should by now. You really, really ought to go and look at that. There is a long history of these things. They go back since probably even before the early days of the Navy. However, if you go all the way back to the advent of the Royal Navy, 
You can find evidence of people raising fake flags. That's where the false flag moniker comes from. They hoist a false flag. They attack their own country under these fake flags, the flags of another nation, and then declare war on that other nation and go pillage and plunder because, oh, well, they attacked us first, right? This goes way, way back. And there's mainstream evidence for this. So I really, if you're a false flag denier, I can't help you at this point. I'm having to deal with the more advanced people because you can go figure that out for yourself. I do not wish to become one of those alt-media people who are spoon-feeding their audience. I think it's completely disrespectful. And one of the things I've learned with guerrilla education is how brilliant, how intelligent many, many, many good people are. They're ready for the nuanced conversations. They're ready for a three-hour dissection of legal documents. I think to be giving your audience uh, little tiny bite-sized things. It's the sort of stuff that the BBC would do, isn't it? BBC bite-sized. Shut up. We don't want any of that garbage here, and I will, I will do my best. I don't do much that's short, do I? I tend to do length, but I think it's important. It's completely disrespectful. It shouldn't be patronizing your audience. It's time to have the detailed conversations. So brings me nicely over to some of that detail. Why is Richard D. Hall being sued? Well, the real reasons we can certainly have uh, some conversations about that. But the official reasons, I have the documents here in front of me, Hibbert and Hibbert versus Hall. So who are the Hibberts? You've got Martin Hibbert, the father, and Eve Hibbert, the daughter. These are two people who say that they were injured in the Manchester attack in 2017, just post the Ariana Grande concert at the Manchester Arena. The Manchester Arena has had loads of different names. It used to be called the MEN Arena, Manchester Evening News, MEN Arena back in my day when I was in Manchester. These days, God only knows what it's called, but it's the same place. It's not changed. It just changes brand every now and again. So the case against Richard is, long story short, he has put out some information that shows that the people who say they were injured might not have been telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That wasn't actually the focus of the book and the DVD. He looks at the entire event from start to finish. He analyzes the deceased, the identities of the people we are told who died, the 22 who died on the 22nd of May. Interestingly, Mr. Hibbert, one of the people who is suing Richard, claims that he had 22 pieces of shrapnel stuck in him. And he hasn't just told the uh, fake news media that. He's actually written that in his legal case, in his claim against Richard D. Hall, which I find interesting. Anyway, what really is the nuts and bolts of this? So the legal papers say this about the defendant's campaign. Since around 2018, the defendant, that's Richard D. Hall, has engaged in a course of conduct amounting to harassment of the claimants. So you could say that Richard is being sued for harassment. Now, we all know what that is. Harassment is when you are persistently and consistently pestering somebody. Yeah, if I ring an ex, ring the ex-boyfriend on a Friday night, and he says, go away, and I ring him on a Saturday morning, and he says, go away, and I ring him again on a Saturday afternoon, and he says, look, you better go away. Then I ring him again on Saturday night, I'm in trouble, right? We've now got something which constitutes harassment. This is what the man on the Clapham Omnibus, as the legal profession, love to talk about. The man on the Clapham Omnibus. Well, that's what he or she would uh, tell you is harassment. Well, it would seem these uh, legal people, these creatures, these goons in gowns, are looking to increase that definition, I would suggest. Here's what Richard is specifically said to have done. 
In or around the beginning of September 2019, the defendant attended unannounced at Eve's residential address, where she lived with her mother, knocked on the door several times without response, and then set up a camera inside his vehicle but trained on the house, secretly recording footage. In the course of so doing, the claimant recorded footage of Eve, her mother, and Eve's carer coming and going from the property. Right? Well, isn't that what investigative journalists do? Haven't you seen Panorama? Hmm? Have you not? Have you not seen the BBC's Panorama? That's what they do. They secretly record footage of people who we think are possibly telling lies. That's what Panorama does. So why is it not okay for Richard D. Hall to do that? Is it because Richard D. Hall isn't bought and paid for like any of the employees at the BBC? The evil BBC. BBC lies 24. Hmm? That was it. That was the only time when Richard has been to the house. Once. Beginning of September 2019, the defendant attended unannounced. That's it. Section 21 of this paperwork. There are no other instances of Richard attending that residential address. So in what way does that constitute harassment? Are you mad? Or are these lawyers just on the grab? I I really, I cannot understand why any self-respecting lawyer who wasn't completely obsessed with money would take such a case. So that's the kind of harassment section. I'll carry on because they're claiming these other things are harassment, but you'll laugh out loud because clearly these things are not. Uh, Section 22. In around 2018, the defendant, that's Richard D. Hall, began a lecture tour, and during the first part of 2020, the defendant produced and published a book, a film, a statement analysis video, and other videos in which he repeatedly, publicly, sensationally, and for profit made the defendant's assertions as more particularly set out below. So, yeah. He analysed, he talked, he made a film, he wrote a book and published some extra videos on statement analysis. Those, the statement analysis was the statements made by alleged witnesses and or alleged victims of the alleged Manchester terrorist attack in 2017. They're excellent, by the way. He works with a lady whose stage name, shall we say, is Genevieve Lewis. I believe that Genevieve Lewis has done Peter Hyatt, the deception detection experts course. And I think that's why Richard was working with her. I think she does a fantastic job of the statement analysis. And I think that the state are very, very worried about that kind of exceptional work, which is probably the real reason that this case has been brought. I'm not sure how much of this is the Hibberts and how much of this is the state using the Hibberts in order to maintain the status quo on the Believable. So, section 23. Since around 2018, the defendant has published, and as at the date of these particulars of claim, he continues to publish the following videos via the website. A video entitled Hiding from Terror, 2018 UK Tour. A video entitled Statement Analysis of Manchester Victims, dated 16th of May 2020. A video entitled Tommy Mayer slash Joe Cox Manchester quote-unquote bombing, Rendles from UFO. A video entitled Brexit, Joe Cox Manchester Arena bombing. On the 15th of May, those are all of the things that the uh, lawyers want to point out. They're focusing on these particular four publications, all four videos of Richard's that you can watch to this day on richplanet.net. And I highly recommend you do so. Section 24. On the 15th of May 2020, the defendant published via the website a documentary film with the title Manchester, The Night of the Bang. So they're going to call that one the film and the four above there distinguishing as the videos for the sake of this case. Section 25. Further, on the 27th of March 2020, the defendant published by making available online and in print a book entitled Manchester, the Night of the Bank, quote-unquote, the book. 26. The videos include the making by the defendant of the defendant's assertions. From the content of the lectures posted by the defendant online, 
the claimants will invite the court to infer that the defendant has repeated the defendant's assertions in his in-person lectures. The film includes the defendant's assertions, photographs and footage of Martin, including of his injuries, which were available in the public domain, I hasten to add. doesn't say that in the legal documents. Of course not, because they're making a case, aren't they? They're making a case against Richard. However, Richard is extremely good at using information that is already in the public domain. So we've had A, the defendant's assertions, B, the photographs and footage of Martin, including of his injuries, C, discussion of Martin's medical history and speculation as to how his scars were caused, D, allegations that his x-rays are unconvincing, E, a purported statement analysis which suggests that he has lied in interviews given to the media. While they're certainly not consistent, his media interviews are a problem for the lawyers in this case, I would suggest, because they're not precisely the same, and they really ought to be. When you've suffered a cataclysmic event in your life, I would expect you to be able to call it in, in sharp detail, and that wouldn't change over time, would it? F. Speculation as to why there is no media coverage in relation to Eve and her mother. G. An allegation that Martin was told he was going to be the hero of a story in which he had been shot and is not happy with the story he now has to tell about being a bomb victim. So these are the things that the lawyers have picked out. But I feel like I'm presenting you with a phony bone of contention. In what way do these constitute harassment? The defendant's assertions, well, that's Richard's opinion. He's entitled to an opinion. He's entitled, perfectly under law, to express his opinion. Photographs and footage of Martin, well, they were in the public domain. If you don't want your photographs out there, Martin, you shouldn't have put them out there, and you shouldn't be speaking to the mainstream media. If you put your, I've said this so many times, but if you put yourself out there with the mainstream media, you're there to be shot down. The mainstream media will build you up and they will tear you down. In this case, I don't expect the mainstream media to tear you down. It'll be the alt media that tears you down. The mainstream media have long been bought and paid for. And because they work for the state, they can't afford for your little story to be taken down, can they? And that's what this is really all about, I would suggest. So what's quite alarming to me is that having read this document in full, the complaint against Richard, the complainant's document, that one knock on the door, he, oh, hang on, hang on, let me correct myself. He knocked on the door several times without response. Yes, but this is during one event, isn't it? So you're just supposed to do one knock or can you go knock, knock, knock? Is that knocking several times or were there several instances of knocking? I don't know. I can't remember. I might have seen the footage of, of Richard D. Hall knocking on this door, possibly. I can't properly recall it. I vaguely recall it from one of his videos. So what? Journalists knock on doors every single day. And if you don't get a response, why wouldn't you knock again? So what? Now, what winds me up is why is the alternative media not crawling all over this? Because if Richard D. Hall, as an investigative journalist, is not allowed to knock on a door, lest he be sued for 50 grand for quote-unquote harassment, what do they think is going to happen to the rest of them? Maybe the rest of them aren't bothered about doing any actual journalism. Maybe they aren't interested in investigative journalism, the only real kind of journalism, by the way. Maybe that's not their thing. But if they were who they say they are, I would absolutely expect them to be all over this. This is a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. You can't sue a journalist for knocking on a door and recording secret footage of a front door. I am sorry, haven't any of these people ever seen Panorama? The BBC are allowed to do it. And while I'm about it, while I'm about it, lest I forget, let's talk about Mariana Spring. She is the BBC's very own disaster troll. She calls everybody else disaster trolls. I think she's even called Richard D. Hall a disaster troll. She is, in fact, the disaster troll. She is disingenuity personified. The sanctimoniousness. She reeks disingenuity when she doorsteps Richard. I mean, that is real harassment because she didn't just doorstep him, you know. 
She emailed him lots and lots of times and Richard told her categorically that he did not want to be on her stupid program. She kept emailing him. Richard rebuffed her. Finally, after several email exchanges between Richard D. Hall and Mariana Spring, the BBC's very own disaster bot troll, he told her not to contact him again. That's what he says in his own words. He's on video saying that on his own website. I asked her not to contact me again, or I told her not to contact me again. So do you know what she goes and does? She gets her peeps to drive her, or perhaps she drove herself because she's, let's face it, not that high up, is she? All the way to Merthyr Tydville in Wales, all the way from London to Merthyr Tydville, London BBC, Merthyr Tydville. Actually, Mariana Spring might even be out of Salford now, so that would be an even longer journey if she's driven effectively from Manchester. So I don't know, but she's driven a long way. Merthyr Tydville's not exactly uh, on the M6 or, or anything like that, is it? So she's driven all the way there with a cameraman and she shoved a, a microphone uh, in his face in his shop in Merthyr Tydville when he used to have a market store before I think it got closed down because of all of this nonsense. Some bullying with the council ended his shop being closed down, I think. Absolutely disgusting. So having been told to not contact him again, categorically, she turns up with a microphone, a camera and a cameraman. Thankfully, Richard had the presence of mind and the cool, calm, collected stance that he has to whap out his phone and record it. So he's got footage of that. And I suggest you watch it. If for nothing else, the galling, simpering, despicable disingenuity of that troll, Mariana Spring. I just really want to know. No, you don't, you liar. We see you, Mariana Spring bot troll. Disgusting. Anyway, that's real harassment. So there's a BBC so-called journalist, journalier, prostitute, actually harassing Richard D. Hall, categorically harassing. You've got the email exchange, him telling her no more, and she turns up and doorsteps him. Richard has, in or around, and I'm quoting here, in or around the beginning of September 2019, attended unannounced at Eve's residential address, knocked on the door several times without response, and then set up a camera inside his vehicle but trained on the house secretly recording footage. In the course of so doing, the claimant recorded footage of Eve, her mother, and Eve's carer coming and going from the property. I don't recall having seen these people on the footage. Maybe I have seen that footage, maybe I haven't. I might be mistaken, so I do apologise for that. I, it was a long time ago. I watched that stuff pretty much as soon as it came out, so I, I'll have to go back over that and check. But anyway, so what? This is one occasion, it would seem to me. It's one occasion. How does that constitute harassment in anyone's eyes? The rest of this stuff is four videos, a book, a film, and then the defendant's assertions within those books and videos and film. Defendant's assertions is just opinions, isn't it? <laughs> like, since when was that a crime? How can this possibly be in a court of law? I did wonder, actually, why is this in the high court? I don't understand why this is in the high court. I've been thinking about this a little bit. In the High Court of Justice, King's Bench Division, why is this in the High Court? Why is this not being tried in some local court? I think I might know. Is it because a local judge is less easy to control than a judge in the High Court? Is it because a local judge would go, what? This journalist has knocked on your door, love, once. So you're joking. Get out of my court. Ridiculous. Waste of everybody's time. Vexatious litigant. We don't want to hear from you in the future. Is that what it is? Because this seat, I mean, why would this be in the high court? Journalist knocks on victim's door. What? Knocks on alleged Manchester bombing victim's door. It's not even newsworthy, is it? Let alone a crime. Journalists knock on doors every day. If they're told not to and, and to not come back, then fair enough, they should leave immediately and not come back. 
that I'm reliably informed is how it works. But, you know, I've been told that by a real investigative journalist. You knock on anyone's door you like. If they won't speak to you, and especially if they tell you to go away, you leave immediately and that's the end of that line of inquiry. Fair enough. But at no point, according to the complainant's legal documents, was Richard told to leave. I'm sorry, this, how can this be harassment? This is a fit-up, it's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And I do think that, like a more local, is it called a circuit judge? Not very well up on my judges. A local judge, I think people will know what I mean by that. The local magistrate would probably just turf this nonsense out as it deserves to be so. Why is it in the high court? I would suggest it's in the high court because they are absolutely desperate for this false flag terrorism to not be exposed. The state cannot afford, I'm not talking about Hibbert, so I don't, I'm not sure Mr. Hibbert has got much choice over what he does. I don't know what they've got over him, but I would suggest something. I really would. I don't think he's doing this off his own back. I'd be embarrassed to sue a journalist for knocking on my daughter's door. Really. I can't understand that at all. If I'd actually lived through a bomb, now a bomb had gone off in my immediate vicinity and I'd been horrifically injured, if I'd lived and not died, I think I would probably spend the rest of my life eternally grateful that I was still alive and possibly feeling a bit guilty that perhaps some of my friends or some of the other people didn't make it. I don't think I'd give a flying fig what some bloke with a Geordie accent was saying about me on some obscure video platform, Odyssey, or on, you know, in some book or on some... I, I really don't think I'd care. Because if you've lived through something like that, uh, a peak experience, albeit a horrible one, but nevertheless peak in terms of intensity, I think that changes you. I really do. I think when you've lived through difficult, very, very difficult things, especially the kind of nasty peaks rather than the nice ones, I think it gives you great perspective on life. Like, I didn't give a toss what people say about me. I don't even read it. I don't care. You know, people come to me sometimes, do you know what so-and-so said? I couldn't care what so-and-so said. I believe in free speech. I am a free speech absolutist. You say whatever you like, but don't you dare try and impinge on what I say. I'll say what I like too. You know, and if you want to go toe-to-toe with me, you better be good. You better be good. So what I've read to you there, I'm sorry that it's quite dry, but at the same time, I think we need to get stuck into this. People giving opinions on a precede version it isn't good enough. We've got to look in detail, I think, if we're going to have any success at all. We've got to expose what he's actually being sued for. Let's have a look. So the book includes this, the book includes that, talks about an x-ray, an x-ray of Martin's torso, which the defendant describes as an x-ray allegedly showing nuts inside Martin's body. Such an image would be easy to create using Photoshop. Well, it is. That's a fact. We can make x-ray images using Photoshop, stuff that looks like x-ray images. And the particular uh, photograph that's being referred to here in Section 28, Part C of the case against Richard D. Hall is very interesting. Very, very interesting. I suggest you go and look at that picture. If I remember, I'll do a little video on it so that you can see. Maybe Hibbert will sue me as well for daring to look at uh, some evidence that's already in the public domain. Yes, because that's probably illegal by the middle of next Tuesday, isn't it? Anyway, to me, the prosecution, if you like, the complainant, the lawyers that are suing Richard, He's not being prosecuted, but you see where I'm coming from. The, the, the people who are being adversarial towards Richard are including these things like the x-ray of Martin's torso. Well, I'm sorry, the x-ray does look dodgy. Go check it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Go and have a look. I think it looks dodgy, extremely dodgy. And I thought, why are they including all of these dodgy things? Because that's not good for their case against Richard. Now, that's me showing my naivety. When I asked a proper journalist, a proper investigative journalist, 
award-winning investigative journalist, Gemma O'Doherty, why were they doing this? She straight away, straight away said it's because they want Richard's best evidence discounted from the trial. Because what's happening at the moment, it's like a pre-trial. This is not, at the moment, Richard's trial hasn't even begun. The trial proper, there isn't a jury yet. No jury has heard anything about this so far. What's happening is the complainants, the Hibberts, are trying to stop Richard from presenting his evidence in defence of himself. Now, his fancy lawyers are arguing that, oh, Richard's evidence has no chance of success before a jury trial. (laughs) Can anyone see the problem with that? It's not some lawyer's place to decide what the jury will and won't believe. And I would say that it indicates that there is some anxiety on the part of the legal team there. If your clients, if your complainants are telling the truth, Mr. Lawyerface, then you wouldn't be bothered about letting uh, crackpot Richard present his crackpot evidence in front of a jury because you'd be able to take it apart in five minutes and then you'd win the case, wouldn't you? The only reason you want this evidence discounted is not because it wouldn't be successful at trial, it's because it would be and you can't argue with it because he's right. I'm not saying that everything Richard has done and said is right. However, I'm struggling to find which bits of it are wrong. If I thought Richard was wrong, I would point it out. I would try to point it out and say, oh, I think Richard's got this wrong. Maybe he, well, I can't. I can't. He's better than I am. I've looked at it and gone, wow, Richard, you've done a cracking job. So this is what the alternative media should be doing. They should be telling us things like, oh, this is what lawyers do. They put in all of these things that actually would hurt their case in the original legal complaint, the original document, so that they have a chance to get it discounted, get it barred from the actual trial. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? I didn't know that. And I'm quite interested, and I'm very interested in these kinds of cases where free speech is being uh, eroded, the right to a bloody opinion is being taken away from English people in our own country. I think that's terribly important. And I, I think it's absolutely awful. I mean, why has Gemma O'Doherty not been interviewed as one of the only honest investigative journalists? You've got Gemma O'Doherty in Ireland. You've got Richard D. Hall in England. These are investigative journalists. I know John Waters too, very fine journalist and writer, playwright and author in Ireland. I'm sure he's well capable of investigative journalism, but I, I think he would argue that his role is slightly different. So you've got Gemma in Ireland and you've got Richard in England. There are others that these are not the only two. However, these are the two people who've done probably the deepest dives and the the most dangerous work. They're taking on the state. That's why these two are so maligned and so picked over and picked upon, because they're challenging the status quo. They are challenging the state's lies. They are doing what real journalists are supposed to do, holding power to account, much as John Waters is doing in that uh, Kitty Holland case or whatever it is over in Island right now. I cannot begin to express how disappointed I am that uh, especially the larger alternative media platforms have not done their work on this. The UK column have done a tiny bit, not a lot, not enough, way not enough in my opinion. I mean, I'm not even a professional journalist. I don't have time. I'm a head teacher. I do 80 hours a week working on improving parents who are my teachers. They're the teachers I manage and their children. Some of those children I teach myself as well. I'm teaching the teachers and I'm teaching the children. I'm effectively running a guerrilla school, though I hate the word school, so let's call it what it is, guerrilla ed. But I, you know, this isn't, I'm not supposed to be having to do this, and yet people don't seem willing to go through these documents. 
the audience want to hear this stuff. They want to find out about it. It's terribly important. This is free speech. What is more important than free speech and freedom of the press? Whoever they are, whether they write for a website with 10 viewers or whether they write their own fantastic newspaper or whether they have millions of subscribers on, I was going to say Odyssey, but <laughs> yeah, right, maybe not the Odyssey platform. It's not as big as YouTube, is it? But I, I really am very distressed that what else are you talking about? What else are you talking about right now than this guy and this case? Freedom of the press is critical. You are unable to hold power to account without this. And if these clowns win this uh, harassment case against Richard and they mess up his website and they get their 50 grand off of him, what about everybody else? Does the UK column not think that lawfare will be coming to their door? Do they think they're too smart to avoid it? I have to say, Richard D. Hall is one of the smartest people I know in terms of protecting himself. He's always put disclaimers on his videos. I can see the legalese shysters here, the swamp creatures, trying to infer that he's been adding disclaimers since this lawsuit. But that's completely disingenuous. Richard D. Hall has frequently put disclaimers on his work. In fact, he has an, an auditory a disclaimer at the end of everything he ever produces. He always says, believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you see. My name's Richard D. Hall. Thank you and good night, right? He says it every time. He says it pretty much every single time. If not every time, then almost every single time. He's telling you to not believe him. He's telling you to go and do your own homework, right? So I would say he's way more careful than almost all of the old media. That's why I'm so annoyed. If they're going to get this lawsuit to be successful against him, and they better not, then there's no hope for the rest of us. If they can ensnare, I think that's why they've gone for him. If they can ensnare him, you know, and, and they're having to do shady, underhand things. Who thinks this is a harassment case based on what I've read to you this morning? And again, don't take my word for it. Go read it. You can find links to all this stuff on my substack, sarahplumley.substack.com. You can find links to all this stuff on my Odyssey videos. If you go to odyssey.com, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com and type in Sarah Plumley. Find the videos on Richard D. They're not hard to find and you'll find the links there and you can go read this stuff for yourself and hopefully you'll, you'll pick out things I've missed. Yeah, like I said, this is, this is not my area of expertise. I shouldn't have to be doing this. This isn't even my second string. I have enough to do. I have enough to do, but I don't think it's okay that this is being left. I'm just seeing a complete absence of this. And I have to say, it's not just places like the UK column that have not done enough on this. Even Iconic, David Icke's platform. I like David Icke. Yeah, I said it. I like the lizard guy. I think he's hysterically funny. And he's more than just entertaining. He's educational as well. I, I do like David Icke very, very much. However, I'm not hearing the whole pile coming out of Iconic about Richard D. Hall either. And given that this is about free speech, we all heard David in Trafalgar Square, freedom, freedom. Did you like my impression? I'll, I practiced that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't fathom why this is also not being talked about over there. Hopefully he will. But I, I would have thought he'd be there already. He should be ahead of me. He's the dot connector, you know, the sorcerer. And I'm some very average apprentice kind of thing. I really think, actually, I do feel like David Icke in terms of education. I'm, I'm the only person saying what I say about education. And I'm being panned for it, absolutely hammered. What is that now? Three raids on two different accounts. That's where money has been stolen from me by very nefarious means and methods. This isn't just the odd online hacker. This is, I would argue that this is like 77th MI5 type stuff just by the way in which it's been done. And I have taken some advice on that. And uh, 
the people who are in the know think that, yeah, that's probably what has happened. And I've had, what, three or four bank accounts closed now. My husband's had an account closed as well. Like, come on, come on. I suppose that means I'm bang over target because they wouldn't be doing these things if it wasn't the case. But it, I don't want to bleat that it shouldn't be me having to do this, but it, it really shouldn't. It really shouldn't. But guys, it is. It is you and me. I mean, I'm podcasting, as you know, out of effectively our, our back bedroom. I've converted one of the bedrooms in our house into a, like a schoolroom where, where I do all my lessons, my teaching, my lesson prep. Where I do my live streams and podcasts all from this, basically my back bedroom. You know, I'm the definition of the, the village journalist. I'm not going to put any airs and graces on it at all. But what I won't do is ever knowingly lie to you. I'm never going to knowingly lie to you and I will not patronize you. I don't believe in it. I think it's a terrible thing, a terrible thing to assume your audience is dumb. You know, I think that's a horrible, horrible way to treat people. It's got to be given to us straight. It's an interesting concept. You become what you hate. You become what you hate. 99.9% .9 of the alternative media hate the BBC. They hate the British bullshitting corporation, the British brainwashing corporation, the BBC. BBC lies, 24, as I call it. The alt media hate them. But isn't it interesting? David Icke always says, you become what you hate. You become what you hate. How many of the alt media are not just ducking their responsibilities with backing up Richard, Richard D. Hall, in this appalling piece of vexatious litigation? But actually, have you noticed the Israel-Palestine thing going on? <laughs> it's a bit hard not to, isn't it? What I'm talking about specifically is the alt media's response to that. Right away, I said a plague, a plague on both their houses. And even though I was grieving and really not supposed to be working or doing anything like that, wasn't really capable of it, to be fair, I almost wanted to come back and just record a podcast on this Israel-Palestine situation because I was livid, absolutely livid. There are never two sides to every story. There's never only two sides. You know that expression, there are two sides to every story. Have you ever thought why they tried to convince us of that so hard? There are two sides to every story. It's always said in defense of somebody who's being mistreated. And I like that. We should defend people who are being mistreated. Absolutely, we should. But there's two sides to every story. They're very insistent about that, aren't they? But there aren't two sides to every story. There are loads of different sides to the same story. Check this out for an analogy. Ordinary football match. So I do humbly apologize to the people in North America. Canada. I apologize. I know you guys call it soccer, but we invented it and it's football. So shut it. <laughs> Just kidding. I love all you guys who call it soccer. But hey, I'm talking about football because that's where I'm from. You might look at it and go, well, Sarah, you've just screwed that up. There are two sides to a football match. No, there aren't. No, there aren't. There's not even two teams in a football match. There's three, four, five teams. Here's the teams. You have the football team, football team A, Manchester United versus football team B, Manchester City. Boo, dirty city scum. Oh, see, there, I did it again. I fell for it. That's the two teams that are obvious. But what about the refereeing team? You have a referee, two assistant referees. You have a fourth official. You actually have a fifth official, which is uh, a spare assistant referee. And nowadays you have the VAR dudes as well. Good. You see, it's got way bigger even since I uh, hung up my whistle back in, oh, I don't even know now, 2012, 2013 kind of time. I hung up my whistle after seven years. So you've got the two teams that are obvious, United City, and then there's the refereeing team. But then you've also got the management of both clubs. You've got Manchester United's management, all those people in the dugouts, the technical area, and you've got Dirty City Scums. Oh, oops, sorry, did it again. 
You've got Manchester City's people. Yeah, you've got those teams. You then have medical teams. There'll be a medical team for Man U and a medical team for Man City. And there'll even be a medical team, probably from St. John's Ambulance, in the stadium itself. So there's lots of teams involved in this football match, some directly and some indirectly. And hopefully you don't have to involve St. John's Ambulance at all. You know, we don't want any injuries or any uh, died suddenlies, do we? Well, I'm about to go off piste here. I better, better stay on message. But you see what I'm talking about. Then you've got the spectators. That's a different side of the story. Believe you me, if you are a football fan, you know how blind, how bigoted and how retarded you can be. I know I've been there. I've shamefully been a football fan. Had a 30-year love affair with Manchester United until they started taking the knee. And that was the end of it for me. But um, football fans famously only watch the match with one eye. It's a funny expression, that, isn't it? But it's bang on, bang on. So the spectators have a very different view of the match than the players. And I don't just mean physically. You know, I'm not just talking um, literally. I, I mean figuratively as well. A very, very different perspective. And the referees have a completely different take on the same match. But you probably know that already because if you follow football or, or soccer, you've probably called the referees lots of nasty names, haven't you? Haven't you over the years? I know, I know you. It's all right. It's because I did it too. Guilty, guilty, guilty. I'm just as guilty. But there are never, what I'm trying to explain to you is there are never only two sides to the same story. You've then got the media team in the gantry, you know, the, the people, the commentators, they're a law unto themselves and they never know the laws of the game either. It's very frustrating. They do irritate me enormously, those people. They get invited every year to the referees lectures on the changes to the laws of the game and how the laws of a game are supposed to be interpreted. And these commentators deliberately don't attend so that they can court controversy. So there's a kind of an analogy for you to take away to the people you know and explain to them. When people say there's two sides to every story or when people are trying to bully you to come down on the side of either Palestine or Israel, just remember there's way more than two sides to everything. I would argue there's never only two sides. Even when you flip a coin, You've got side side, you've got heads, you've got tails, and edge. A coin can land on its edge, especially if the football field is muddy. <laughs> you learn very quickly as a new referee, particularly in the Manchester Cheshire area, to not flip the coin and let it land on the floor because it does land edge a lot. It sticks in the damn mud. You end up flipping the coin and catching it. Otherwise, you end up with, you know, heads, tails, or edge. Yeah, there's never two sides. This I think we've been lied to on even such fundamental levels as that. So don't get caught out with this whole which side are you on. You don't have to take sides on anything at all. Taking sides just means that you are controlled by one camp or the other. You're being captured. You're being captured by one camp or another. So I urge you to stay away from alternative. Obviously, you don't watch the mainstream media, the MSM, the mockingbird mainstream media, the prostitutes, the journalers. You're not stupid. How do I know? Because you listen to podcasts like this. I know you're intelligent. I know you're smart. You know, I'm very humbled and very grateful by the kind of intelligent comments that I get left. A lot of you don't see the comments. I, I get plenty of comments by email. Uh, maybe I should share them. But we, we have some really insightful, intelligent people listening to this podcast and, and as, as members of Gorilla Education. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that and very impressed. And it upsets me and frustrates me that other people are mistreating you. Other entities within the alternative media are mistreating you and misleading you. And it's not because you are easily led or anything like that. You're not. But you're very busy, especially if you're home educating. If you're guerrilla educating, you're really busy because you're the guys who are doing it properly. I get very defensive and very angry that, in my view, these alt-media entities are wasting your time. They are wasting your time. They're arguing over Palestine and Israel. 
Some of them have only just even begun to start talking about Israel in any kind of critical manner whatsoever. Like, that's what the BBC have done for decades, decades and decades. The BBC will never say anything negative about Israel. Well, almost all of the mainstream media are the same. They won't even touch it. They won't say the words. They won't say it. They won't even say Jew. (gasps) She said it. She said Jew. So what? Christian, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, what's your problem? Oh, that's Sarah Plumley said Jew. Oh, oh, get over it. If you want to be some serious kind of alternative to the garbage, lying, scumbag, mockingbird media, then you better grow up. You better grow a pair because people are getting sick of it. People are sick of being lied to. People want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God, we are sick of you. And all of these people that are in the alt media that are spoon feeding you or are lying by omission, they might not be lying outright, some of them, some of them are, some of them might not be, but they're lying by omission. It's what they don't say, it's what they won't share with you. And here's one for you be careful of words like diplomacy. It is not diplomatic to refuse to discuss Israel and its behavior or alleged behavior, right? That's not diplomacy, it's called lying by omission. Diplomacy is a very nice, very smart word for lying, not telling the whole truth. I'm not interested in being diplomatic. That's not the job of a journalist, and it's especially not the job of investigative journalism. Journalists are supposed to hold power to account. They are supposed to be fearless. They are supposed to be in your face, in the faces of the state, every single day, grilling the puppeticians, holding them to account, asking the difficult questions. And I don't care what religion they follow or whether they're Zionists or not. And that's the other thing that's irritating, isn't it? Have you noticed how they conflate Jew with Zionist? That's not, there's loads of Jews who are anti-Zion. They are anti-Zionist. And the ADL have tried to call those who are anti-Zionists the same as anti-Semites. The term anti-Semite is a misnomer, and I'll, I'll cover that in a video on my Odyssey. I did it ages ago and didn't post it, but I went off sick, so I apologize for not getting that posted. I will get it up there on my Odyssey channel. It's not okay. It's about time the alternative media, especially these larger platforms that are like magnets, they're sucking in all of the money, all of the resources, all of the attention, and it's, they are largely wasting time. If they do not have better solutions than write to your MP or go on a march or vote independent, I'm sorry, they're either not on our side, and I, again, when I say our side, I'm not talking about two sides, there are two sides. There are multiple different sides. My side are the people who realize that the only legitimate, credible way of of rescuing ourselves from this situation is to educate the youth properly. It's to remove them from the system. We've got all of these adults who are caught up in the system. Well, if we don't put the children into the system in the first place, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, we won't have all of these people, adults, caught in the system, will we? I'm not a genius. This isn't rocket science, is it? The state schooling system sends the children to sleep. I don't mean that it's so boring. Well, actually, it does. It is so boring. It literally sends them to sleep. But I'm talking figuratively. They take these creative beings who are naturally inquisitive. They're the most natural critical thinkers ever, children. They ask why all the time. Why, 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 why? Don't they? They ask why all the time. And they even screw you up, don't they? Because they ask why and you explain then they ask why again, then they'll ask a counter question about why, and they'll get you, won't they? They get you to a point where you actually can't answer them because you don't know, or you realize that the argument you're putting forward, you're not so sure about. 
Children are fantastic. They are awake. They are critical thinkers. They ask fantastic questions, the incisive questions, the real questions, and schooling beats that out of them. It kicks it out of them. Not literally these days because people got onto that one. <laughs> so they, they got rid of the beatings and replaced it with educational psychologists. We're here to help you. Yeah, they are crushing these children. So what I'm saying to you is if the alt media that you're listening to do not have credible alternatives, realistic ways of bringing down the corrupt, disgusting establishment, and I'm not talking about pitchforks. I'm not talking about the alternative use for lampposts. I'm not talking about those things. I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about the very definition of non-compliance. You can't do anything about mass non-compliance, by the way. You can only do your part. You can only not comply. Sending your children to school is compliance. It's absolute obedience to the state. Even if you send your kids to a private school, you are complying with the schooling system. The schooling system, along with social media, also the telelie vision, but young people don't really do telelie vision, they do social media. They are the two biggest reasons for sheepletards. They are the two biggest reasons that the state continually gets voted for. You don't vote for puppeticians. You don't vote for Labour or Conservative. You're actually voting for the state. You're voting for a government. Why do you want a government? Can't you govern yourself? Are you not a man? Are you not a woman? Are you not God-fearing? Haven't you figured out the Ten Commandments are pretty good? It's a pretty decent way to live. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah, good one. Thou shalt not rape. Yep. Steal. Yep. Right? It's not rocket science, is it? We have to stop voting for the government. Voting for government is like voting for organized crime. They are the organized criminals. Why are we voting for them? Why are we legitimizing organized crime? At this stage of the game, it is extremely naive to be in support of people who are forming new parties, to be in support of people who are standing as independent candidates in Parliament. Even if you got an independent in, which you won't, by the way, it's not possible with the figures. I've done videos on the figures. I'm sick of this. If you go and look at the most recent by-elections in the UK, even Lawrence Fox got nowhere near and he's got a massive audience. Massive audience, massive popularity. Whether you like him or not, he's popular. Way more well-known than I am, isn't he? He got nowhere near. He probably lost his deposit. He got so few votes. How on earth do you think some indie's going to get in? And even if one independent does win one seat in the houses of Parliament, what do you think he or she's going to be able to do against the other 650-odd or whatever it is, goons? It's a joke. How can highly intelligent, highly articulate people, you know who I'm talking about when I say that in the alternative media, how can they not have thought beyond that? I'd really, really love to hear it, but they've had long enough. You know, they've had long enough to explain their ideas, their tactics. Writing to your MP, waste of time. Gemma O'Doherty wrote an amazing, a blistering article about that earlier this week. In fact, uh, it bobbed in my inbox this morning. Absolutely brilliant. A real, real scorcher. It's called Alternative Media as Bad as Mainstream. Alternative Media as Bad as Mainstream, Gemma O'Doherty a really, really punchy, punchy article. And who knows, we might not be perfectly correct in our assertions, our opinions that this person or that organization isn't on the side of truth. We can only judge people by their actions. And if you haven't been putting communists under the spotlight and then learning where communism actually comes from, who wrote the Communist Manifesto? Who wrote it? Karl Marx. Everyone knows that, right? But what everyone isn't allowed to know is that he's the son-slash-grandson of a rabbinical Jew, which means his father or grandfather is uh, a Talmudic Jew. Well, that matters. That matters that certain sections of Judaism invented communism. 
That's critically important, don't you think? And I just don't think it's any longer credible for people to be talking, to be having a go at communist kind of behavior or very, very hardline socialist behavior and not calling out where that actually comes from. That's right. A Jew wrote the Communist Manifesto. That matters. No, that doesn't mean it's the Jews. It's all. No, of course it doesn't mean that. That is retarded. There are plenty of Jews who are absolutely appalled at what is supposedly going on at this moment in Gaza. And if they are right, and if all of this slaughter is true, then they're right to slaughtering humans is bad. I mean, goodness me, here we are in 2024 and we have to make ridiculous statements like that. Slaughtering humans is bad. I'm against that. But that's where we are, ladies and gentlemen, because we are being spoon-fed, we are being talked down to, we are not being told the whole truth. It's not okay anymore. You have to speak up and you have to speak up now. If not now, then when? When were you planning on telling the truth, the whole truth about the origins of communism? When were you planning on analysing Israel's alleged behaviour towards Palestine this past half century? This isn't a new thing. This has been going on a very long time. I know that um, Gareth Icke is... uh, I think he has a Palestinian flag, doesn't he, on his uh, Twitter or on his Getter or whatever. You know, I know that Gareth Icke has been aware of, of the plight of the Palestinian people for a very long time, et cetera, et cetera. Good on him. Good on him. for You know, it's, it's, it's a wonder that that happens, especially given we've all been brought up, many of us anyway, in the UK, where we've been completely brainwashed that Israel good, anyone who questions anything to do with anything they do ever is bad. I mean, what a completely retarded argument that is. So please remember, that's my like, my lesson of the day, there are never only two sides to every... There is two sides to every story. There are never only two sides to any story. It is nonsense. It's not okay. And please spread the word about Richard D. Hall. I will be doing more. I've got lots more to say about that case, lots more of digging into the documents, but I will do that more on my live stream so that you, I can actually share the documents with you. You can see them and you can see where you can find all this stuff to help yourself out and help each other out. Why am I bothered? Because this is critical. If we cannot save and protect and even uh, respect and revere our, our real, truthful investigative journalists, then we are screwed. There is no future. Our children need to know how to defend investigative, real investigative journalism and, above all, the right to free speech. I think I've said enough for now. <laughs> for now. Last little one. Last little one. What am I doing? What am I encouraging you to do? I'm encouraging you to rescue your children. Get your children out of these indoctrination camps. They are government indoctrination camps, all of them. Yes, even the private ones. Those teachers have all been through the institutions. The institutions have been overrun a long, long time ago. Get your kids out. I will help you. I will support you. First thing I'm going to do, I am free on Tuesday, the 13th of February. I'm going to deliver a one-night training course called Why Your Kids can't spell. Why your kids can't spell. It's free. It's 8 p.m. till 9.30 p.m. UK. So it's in the evening, nighttime, 8 p.m. UK, GMT. Be there. I will help you. You will start your journey. This is what I'm talking about, about solutions, real solutions. I know that um, James Corbett has some fantastic solutions on his website. I've been uh, following the Corbett report for quite some time, and he is another honorable exception. He's Canadian, but lives in Japan. So I'm not quite sure where that puts him. But anyway, 
It doesn't matter. His work is excellent. And I know that he's deeply focused on solutions as well. That's why I think he's one of the real guys, one of the good guys. And I commend his excellent work and the work of James Evan Pallado as well, who joins him on the show called New World Next Week, doing fantastic things in alternative, real alternative media. I'll be sharing more about James Evan Pallado's work in future episodes. Do not miss next week. I've got one of your favorites. I've already recorded it. It will be out next week, episode 66. Yeah, episode 66 about 9-11. Thankfully, we didn't post it on the 6th or the 11th or anything crazy like that. So I'll be with your favorite, Simon Day, next week, 9 a.m. Sunday. And it's 9-11 with a twist. On that note, believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you see. I'm not Richard D. Hall, but he's damn good, isn't he? Good night. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination.